So longtime listeners of the show will probably remember Jay Davis, who's been on a number of times. Well, in addition to being a friend and a consulting client, I'm excited to say now that he's also a sponsor of this show. Last year, when I was spending a lot of time at his company's office, he started a new company called Pillow Cube, which is this awesome memory foam rectangle pillow that's tall enough for me to be a side sleeper, but not have to have my head sag down like when I try to fold over my regular pillows. It's really pretty amazing, and for any side sleepers like me, it's great so we don't have to wake up with shoulder pain. On top of that, it's been really fun for me to see him have so much success because it's been selling like crazy. Anyways, if you're a side sleeper, I highly recommend going to pillowcube.com and getting one for yourself. AI is eating the world, and any company that doesn't embrace AI is going to go extinct. So in our case, we can check the availability and give a price and a firm fixed quote using AI, and we change the charter industry. So the sales part of sales and marketing goes away, and it looks more like Expedia, instant quote. That's never been done before. Normally, you pick up a phone, call an operator, call a broker. It's sometimes hours and days later before you have a price or even if the plane's available. The day before Thanksgiving, I called one of our trusted partners, one of the largest charter operators in the United States. I know they're... Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, we've got the CEO of Verajet, Richard Kane. Richard, thanks for doing this. Oh, Jess, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So as I was saying a couple of minutes ago, I'm really fascinated with your industry. I'm glad you had time to come on the show. For people not familiar with Verajet and, and some of the ways you're shaking up the industry, can you give people a bit of background? Well, certainly. So there's the airframe. It's carbon fiber, single engine, single pilot. The other pilot is an AI. This is the safest aircraft ever built. It can land itself at the touch of a button. So if the pilot's incapacitated, the passengers can now land the airplane. In a more catastrophic emergency, it has a built-in airframe parachute system. A rocket motor fires an enormous parachute, lowers the whole airplane to the ground. But to make sure you don't need these things, it's aware of terrain, weather, envelope protection, catches all the errors that a pilot can make. It's got incredible levels of safety. So safest jet ever built. It's also the most efficient jet ever built. At cruise, we're going half the speed of sound at 56 gallons an hour at 31,000 feet. And it's the quietest jet ever built, 50 decibels quieter than stage four noise requirements, ticks off all the eco boxes, and it can burn four types of biodiesel. So we can be carbon zero or carbon neutral. Some blends were actually carbon negative. That's a longer conversation, but it's the right tool for the job for short haul. So there's the jet. The jet is dispatched by an AI. I adapted routing technology from telecom that could route 100 million phone calls an hour, 14 billion calls a month. I adapted that to aviation. So we are managing these fleets. That AI across many fleets right now saves 200,000 pounds of carbon footprint every week. But with Verajet, it not only dispatches our aircraft properly, but it also lets us book instantly. So this is a quick book, just like you're buying a seat on Delta or United. It's the first time that's been done. The idea is to grow private charter, introduce the general public to it, and democratize private travel. And to do that, we've reduced the price point by a third. Basically, one engine, one pilot, carbon fiber versus two, two, and metal. Well, we got a lot in there. I want to dive into some of it. Yes. So cool looking, cool looking small jet and, and capacity is one pilot, four adults, two kids. Is that about right? Or what's the... And a couple of pets and light luggage. Okay. And ski tubes for skis or golf clubs. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. The tail is hollow, and that's where you put the speakers. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and for people who, you know, I, I've I've watched the videos, I've seen the pictures, but for people who didn't quite get a vision of what you're saying, I want to start start with one thing, which is this parachute. The the airplane has its own parachute, right? Yeah, it's I, like uh, a James Bond movie. The whole thing just lowers itself to the ground. It's hilarious. I I remember the first time I'd ever seen that. One of my buddies up in Canada. He built himself one of these trick planes that's got like a, it's basically like a Bombardier snowmobile engine. And it's, you know, playing for, you know, it's the first time I'd ever done barrel rolls and gone upside down and stuff in a plane. And I was like, hey, what's this huge harpoon looking thing in the back? <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's in case the engine fails. We've, we both, we both have a parachute. It's going to save the whole plane. And I, and ever since then, I thought like, why, why isn't this everywhere? Like, why, like. This is such a great idea. Anyways, obviously, you guys so, picked an aircraft with one. For your readers, one of my favorite uh, clips, there's a pilot who's flying the SR-22. That's the propeller version of this plane. Burns 16 gallons an hour. Does everything this does except land itself, but it has the parachute. This guy's ferrying it from LA to, to Hawaii, and he's got extra tanks to make that long distance. And he realizes one of the tanks gummed up. And so he's got about an hour of fuel left, and he calls the Coast Guard. And the Coast Guard's circling them in a C-130, and they have on military tracking surveillance cameras the entire sequence. The engine stops, he pulls the chute, he floats down like an Apollo capsule, and they vectored him towards a cruise ship, which picks him up in the Pacific with big rolling waves. And he completes his trip to Hawaii on a cruise ship. That's the only way to crash. Or the the former CEO of Walmart, he floated down in front of a no parking sign. He wasn't injured. I think my all-time favorite, there was a, a dad and his daughter going to Haiti to do humanitarian work, doctor and doctor's daughter. And they lost all the oil in their engine, the piston version, not the jet. The jet doesn't do this. And they floated down east of Andros Island in the Bahamas. Enormous bullseye parachute. Coast Guard said it was the easiest rescue they've ever had because they could see him for 20 miles out. You see this picture of the two of them grinning and happy in their life raft next to their airplane, which didn't even sink. They insisted on checking them out at a hospital, made them stay in NASA overnight. The next day, they went to Haiti to continue the humanitarian work. So again, it's an amazing safety system. Actually, one more story. I met a couple. They got turned upside down in a thunderstorm. Again, the piston version in California. They said it was like the hand of God reached out, turned their plane right side up, and lowered them gently into this walnut grove. Then the lightning storm came through. The hail and the walnuts did more damage to the plane than the parachute. They had a case of wine, and they had hand-blown Christmas ornaments at the back of the plane, and nothing broke. And they just stopped short of opening the wine to celebrate when they realized how bad that would be when the investigators got there. It's a really good system. It saves lives. It's safest jet ever built and the only jet with a parachute system. That's incredible. And let's talk about another one of these, just because it's fun to talk about. People don't expect this in a in a small jet. Sure. Uh, if something happens to the pilot, the passenger can pu- can push the like send to home button. Can you talk that's, about the AI will fly the plane for him? That's exactly right. So this there's a very robust AI on board this plane. When I make mistakes, the plane catches them. Most of those are intentional during my demo flights, but always there's some minor slip-ups. This plane, is a, it's got an AI on board that never lets up. It's ruthless. It looks for anything you might miss and it fixes it, which is why you don't need the parachute in the auto end. If there's no one on the plane and the plane depressurizes and the pilot blacks out, the plane will lower itself to an altitude where the pilot can wake up. 
But if there's someone else on the plane and the pilot blacks out, they can just press a red button. The plane looks at the terrain, looks at the weather, looks at the available fuel, picks a appropriate runway for the winds, calls for help for the pilot, closes the airport, lands itself and rolls to a stop and applies the bricks. It is a miracle. And, and it's an incredible video. It's uh, called Serious Safe Return is the Future. It's one of a whole layer of safety capabilities for this plane. Let me throw out another one just randomly. This plane can see in the dark. It has forward-looking infrared. Normally, you have to spend $50 million on a Gulfstream to get this. So that's important because we're operating on all of these small runways close to your origin or destination. And there's animals. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but three weeks ago, Alaska Air hit a bear on the runway. The bear did not survive. The cub did. The plane was out for you know major damage. There's deer, there's wild boar, there's always these collisions. We can see the warm body of an animal from two miles out at night on the cold runway and avoid the collision to begin with, or just see the runway or see the clouds and avoid the bumps at night. So it's got an, this incredible level of safety and awareness that frankly never existed in this class of airplane before. Well, I'm really interested this the idea of, you know, how many major airports are there and then and then how many more local airports are there just in the US for instance approximately. So the general public knows the 29 hubs. About 400 airports carry all the traffic. There's 5,400 airports. The other 5,000 are barely utilized, less than 1%. We have a patent on booking of air travel by speed address, street address or landmark that lets you find that close airport to your destination that people weren't even aware of. Pilots don't know where these things are. The general public has no chance. So this opens up this fabric of point-to-point -point travel that lets you get from your origin to your destination without driving to the big airport, without connecting, God help you if you're connecting, without TSA, without getting there an hour before your flight. My airline is the outgrowth of a 25-year program with NASA called the Small Aircraft Transportation System, and it's about unlocking this fourth wave of high-speed travel. We went from horses to cars and got 75 miles an hour, and cars to propeller planes 200 miles an hour, and propeller planes to jets 500 miles an hour. And then hub and spoke 9-11 TSA, we're back down to 75 miles an hour. And, and it's, we took a miracle of technology and handicapped it. So with us, because you can land at that small airport because there's no TSA, you can get there five minutes before your flight, you're back up to 300 miles an hour. I mean, it, it actually is about time. That's what we're talking about. Uh, Post-COVID, it's about surviving the experience. But before that, this was a company built around saving people time and bringing them right to their destination. You know, it's interesting how this, you know, this type of flying can feel extravagant to people who haven't experienced it. And, and it is is a luxury, right? But it's interesting, depending what you do for work, how sometimes it saves money. Like I remember, well, I remember, I don't know, 15 years ago was my first time I got to go on a private jet. I thought it was so cool. You know, I, I'm a farm kid from Canada. I've never done anything like this, right? And we go to John Wayne Airport in Orange County, California, and we drive past the airport, drive around the side. And like, instead of waiting around for two hours, like some guy comes out and it's like asking if he can grab the bags for me and we just get out of the car and walk onto the airplane, you know? And it's like, holy cow, this is a different experience. And, and you can see like, again, you talk about connections and stuff, like people who can get multiple deals done by being able to see multiple cities in the same day, right? And like, there is like, you know, besides this, besides the like safety from COVID these days and just like the pleasure of the experience, like, 
there's people who can make financial arguments of of like the financial reasons to do this instead. Oh, there's no question. Our example is three attorneys trying to get from Palm Beach to Tallahassee. Well, there's no direct service. So they have to go the night before for a morning meeting. Now you have three hotel rooms and a nice rental car. When it's two or three people to the same city pair, we can be on par with commercial because you're traveling there directly. You're not having to stay overnight and you're home to your family. One of our investors is out of um, Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa is a vibrant city, roll tide. It's got an amazing university. It's lost all commercial air service. It lost their essential air subsidies. They have an airline terminal that's abandoned. The city is now looking at upgrading that terminal for our use for vision jets. So you could drive to Birmingham about an hour and a half away and get on Southwest. And they had pretty good service, direct service until COVID. And then they rolled that service back. So this is an exact quote from an investor. I'll even name him. His name is Robert Allman. He has a company that has multiple locations that he's got to travel to. He said it would take him three days to go out and back now because there's no direct service and you're driving to Birmingham. On Verijet, he can go to three meetings in one day and be back home to his family at night instead of three days. It's an enormous savings. And when you're flying three or four people, it's even price comparable to the airline. That's where we are now. We've managed to drop the cost of charter by a third. Our AI dispatch saves about 30%. Our amazing airframe another 40%. Taken together, it's the first thing that can take people out of first class. But our next fleet type burns 16 gallons an hour, maybe costs $850 an hour, about $200 per seat. The fleet type after that will be all electric. And now we're talking about $200 per seat. And there's no reason to ever get on an airliner anymore. This is about democratizing private travel. Put another way, 80% of the world's population has never been above ground level. They've never seen an airplane. And I wouldn't have believed it until we did a event for Girl Scouts, 10 Girl Scout troops introducing them to airplanes, something called the Young Eagles program. And some of the kids had never been in an airplane and some of the parents had never been in an airplane. And I'm like, wow, what a wake up call. This is the United States and people have never once been in an airplane. And, and they were beautiful. They loved the experience. But we're going to drop this price point to where it changes the way people travel. So here, it's very cut and dried. It's three people going to a meeting. It's someone trying to get to their weekend home. Let's say you have a home in the Outer Banks. It can take you all weekend of driving, or it's an hour flight. It's, it's very straightforward. But think about Africa for a second. If I say Rwanda, you're going to think genocide or hotel Rwanda or something bad. But if I told you that Rwanda is going to have 200,000 drone flights this year, flying blood products and medicine, that's totally life-saving. And the reason they're doing it is the rutted, muddy roads take six to eight hours. They're impassable without a four-wheel drive truck, or it's a 20-minute drone flight. And you hold up your app, and you request your medicine, and they drop it right on your head. It's, it's incredible. It's like they bypassed landlines in copper, and they have this high rate of 5G adoption of cell and micropayments on cell. They're going to bypass roads. Why spend a trillion dollars paving over nature, releasing all the carbon with the, the phosphates that you have to make? Why not just have VTOL electric air transport? So that's where this is heading, and much faster than anybody believes. And hence, our third fleet type will be electric, but it's, you know, hang on, because this, this is going to be a very interesting ride. And who who's the manufacturer for the electric? So I'm on an advisory board of a couple of these. Um, you can find them. The, the ones that you'll see in production first, the founders of Google funded Kitty Hawk, and they have a plane called Cora. They've rebranded it, and it's going to be operating commercially in New Zealand, perhaps autonomously flying people to work this year, which is pretty cool. There's one out of Germany called William that plans to be fully autonomous that's announced sort of a vertical integration. They'll operate the planes in the airline. There's four or five really credible ones, but what snuck up on people, I know their CEO, 
There's a seaplane company in Seattle, Harbor Air, and they will be the first 121 scheduled airline that's all electric. So their stage length is about 30 minutes, harbor to harbor. And the harbors are very environmentally conscious, noise and carbon footprint. So it's win-win-win for them. What's not immediately obvious, it's win for the operator too. Not just the lower fuel cost, but the engine maintenance on an electric engine is maybe a 10th or a 20th of what it is on the gas or the turbine. So that's how we're going to get that price point down. The AI using the planes effectively and in electric, it's called distributed electric propulsion usually. In the case of the seaplane guys, it's just one big enormous electric motor. But that's where this is going. And I've seen the prototypes and I've seen them fly. And, and you're going to see press from us ordering some prototypes or ordering our next fleet types. It's basically it's the Jetsons, flying cars. <laughs> I love it. Well, yeah, the sooner you could do that, the better, because I'm out here outside of Park City, Utah. If I could skip the hour to going to the airport to then go wait in the hour to go wait for an hour or two in the airport and just drive to like the Heber airport that, you know, all the Park City jets land it, you know, I would really appreciate I would really appreciate that, especially cost competitive, right? An electric jet. Be incredible. That, that's exactly right. So I used to work for EDS, Ross Perot. And so it was really great for me to meet with Ross Perot Jr. at this conference called the UP Conference. And they flew me over Fort Worth Alliance Airport and explained that all their friends are stuck in traffic with Dallas, Austin, Houston, trying to get to their weekend home out on the Gulf. And, and it's impossible. And would we please launch service there now? And by the way, here's where your jets park, but also the electric stuff will connect with you. And so Bell Helicopter is there, except Bell Helicopter is not called Bell Helicopter anymore. It's just called Bell because they know the helicopter is going away and it's going to be electric, distributed electric propulsion VTOLs. And they flew in with their prototype and it was beautiful. So it's um, cool things going on. So let's talk about some of the business sides of this. What are the kind of obstacles that you run into pioneering something like this? So this is a single engine, single pilot turbofan. The FAA calls this a turbojet. They don't see this any different than a 787. So to get certification to on national scale, there's like the mom and pop, that's one airplane, one pilot. And there's the basic limited to five airplanes. And then there's us. Let's blow this out to 1100 aircraft nationally. To get that, we're in uncharted territory. There's never been a single engine passenger jet like this before. F-16 fighter plane. In fact, my safety instructor pilot was an F-16 driver. That's single engine jet. Getting the FAA to approve this, I spent the morning answering, why are you doing commercial service with one engine? And I had to explain to them that this engine can't ingest a bird. If you look at the canopy, it shields the engine. At low speed, the body of the plane shields it. At high speed, the air axis and inertial separator. Maybe a bald eagle and a power dive at 140 miles an hour with perfect aim could be ingested in this engine, but that's what it's going to take. Every other jet is a big bird vacuum cleaner. And I know the miracle on the Hudson crew, if your readers want to be introduced, but you can lose two jet engines going through a flock of geese. We don't have that. And within a second of us landing, our AI knows we've landed, but within a minute, all the telemetry from the engine is transmitted to us and an AI approves it for the next flight or down checks it. So the FAA had never seen anything like that. They said, we're the best airline that they've seen in 24 years. So that was the first part. But then you get to, well, you want to do this with one pilot? Wait, what are you talking about? And the night before, Cirrus released the safe return video, and no one had ever seen it before. And that's the red button where the plane can land itself. And then not only that, you got the red handle for the parachute. So in the propeller version of this plane, you pull the red handle, the chute fires, and that's it. There's no intelligence there. It's all mechanical. So it's up to the pilot to slow the plane down, get it in an area of flight where you have the best chance of success. And that's a skill. 
With the jet, it's totally different. You pull the red handle and the computer takes over, levels the jet, retards the engine, does everything it can to be as successful as it can. It can be as long as 30 seconds before the chute fires. But bottom line, there's no difference between a passenger or the pilot pulling the red emergency handle in this plane. And so the FAA okayed us. But it wasn't a foregone conclusion. It was it was a conversation. The third item for here, this jet has a 14.7 to 1 glide ratio. It's better than some of the gliders that I've flown. This jet actually glides better than a glider, which again is hilarious. When we're over the middle of the state of Florida, I can power down the engine and land in Miami, in Tampa, and Jacksonville, or at the Kennedy Space Center at the shuttle landing strip. That's how big the glide ratio is. But we have to prove that we can be within gliding distance of land as we go to the Bahamas and Caribbean. So I have the horrible task of being a part of a two-ship formation to fly to the Bahamas next week to take pictures of the glide down path to show that we can get to this island within gliding distance in that island within gliding distance. So these are the, the you know, the, the challenges of being a, an airline CEO. You get to do this kind of thing and, and prove compliance. But those were That's the challenges. Fine. It's just, it's a wacky thing. You know, one engine, one pilot, a V-tail, carbon fiber, and the thing looks like the future. It looks so different. They wanted to make sure it was safe. And, and we got complete approval across the board. You know, I don't know a lot about the airplane industry or the airline industry, but we, we, we've had some interesting conversations on the show. We had a, a guy who started an airline called Surf Air, where you could buy like unlimited subscription. We had the chairman of JetBlue Airlines on and talking about how they were trying to adapt to COVID and stuff. But I think what's fascinating to me about this is you, you've used this word a number of times, but I, I want to bring it up again, the democratization. You know, this idea, especially as you talk about bringing those prices down with your, with your future fleets, the idea that like now there's 5,000 locations that I can go from to, at, you know, at a, a cost comparative angle, like this stops being like plaything of the wealthy and starts being like, I mean, look at cars pre pre Ford cars were for rich people. I mean, you know, when people say that, it, that watch that first step, it's a doozy, right? Yep. I ended up finding out, well, that's talking about a Duesenberg or Duesendorf. I can't remember what that car is called, but it's like, you know, it was the cool kid's car, but the thing broke all the time. And so you like pretty much, if you owned a car, you pretty much had to have a mechanic on, on staff for the thing, right? And and it was a problem at all points. But like cars were like a, a plaything, a, you know, much more occasional, like certainly people didn't have it for regular people didn't just use it personally, right? Well, think about think about planes. Like, when, when it's that big of a hassle, there's a lot of families that just drive, you know? Oh, exactly right. In fact, 60%, 55% of all trips in the United States are less than 700 nautical. And, and that traffic has dropped off the cliff because they've made it so terrible. You can't just walk up to your plane anymore and there's no direct service. So people drive. This is going to open up that utility again and let you have that time back. Um, we're going to go down into the weeds here now. Metal airplanes, when they fly a short hop, when they pressurize the fuselage, they lose the same amount of life as if they flew across the country. So the owner of metal airplanes, they want to charge you two-hour minimums, or they want to charge premiums. Well, the airliners are metal airplanes. So you pay more for a short hop per passenger mile than you do crossing the country. And it's this weird inverted pricing. Well, our plane's carbon fiber. It doesn't have metal fatigue. If you remember the Aloha Air accident, where the fuselage peeled off and flight attendant was suffering in the space, or if you've ever heard of the de Havilland Comet, the British had the, the lead in commercial aviation. They had this beautiful plane called the Comet. It had square windows. The stress 
of pressurization would concentrate in the corners and the airframe would blow apart after three months with the loss of everything. And by the time they put together the pieces literally and figured out what was happening, we ran away with the industry. You'll notice our jet has rounded windows. We lucked out in the US, the initial planes were rounded and so we didn't have that issue. That's probably the only reason that Lockheed and Boeing aren't British companies. So I mentioned all this in all this detail because when you want to take a, a light jet and charter it, it's a two-hour minimum, $4,500 an hour. It's $9,000. When one of the planes breaks that our friendly carriers fly and they have to replace it, it's $9,000 to $12,000 on a last-minute basis. Veriject can fly that same trip for $3,000 at 48% margin, and it's better for the environment. And we're so quiet that the Small airports have no problems with noise sensitivity. So it is a different way to, to look at this. It's like UberX for aviation, and it will open it up. And that's our existing fleet. Now drop the price again by a third and again by a third. And now we're talking about it, it would be insane to get on an airliner and connect to the Hartsfield row here. And that's where I'm going for. My, my goal is not to cannibalize charter. It's to grow the charter industry by taking people off of airliners. By the way, I'm personally offended that airports have turned into shopping malls. You go through Heathrow and you walk through a serpentine path around the shops, it's, it's we forgot it's about transportation. So I'm on a mission to make all that go away and just take you point to point where you want to be. <laughs> yeah, I do remember first time I was like in the Frankfurt airport, I was like, this is like, this is like malls in Newport Beach. Like this, this is a really nice mall. Oh no, sorry, we're in an airport, right? Now, I, I know the folks from Surfair since you mentioned them. The PC-12 is a beautiful airplane. It does what it's supposed to do, carries a lot. The PT-6 turboprop engine, of which I have 200 hours of flight time myself, is maybe an eighth as reliable as our turbofan. And the PC-12 has no parachute. And there's been loss of life in the PC-12. But beyond all those things, the per-seat model is terrible. It's like the airline hub and spoke model. So before COVID, you didn't want to get in a cramped little plane and shoulder to shoulder with people. After COVID, this is a no-brainer. But before COVID, let's say you're going to share seats. Someone's going to be unhappy. Either the person that you left because they're late or the seven people that have to wait for them. It's just a, a no-win situation. So a light jet that flies as many as six people is perfect because the average passenger count in the United States on charter is 1.8 people. And it used to be we flew 40 to 45% empty all the time. It's actually criminally negligent for the environment. It's really bad. So my last decade has been trying to fix that. I have an AI that uses the fleets more rationally and trip moves trains trips around and finds the best airplane. And again, 200,000 pounds of carbon footprint every week savings. But we were still using the wrong airplanes for the job. Heavy metal planes flying down low, making enormous amounts of noise, sucking in lots of gas and belching carbon. This is a much better job for that. There are planes that are beautiful, like the Citation 10. It's almost supersonic. It should be at 41,000 feet crossing the United States. It's perfect for that. To fly it, and this is a real example, from Santa Monica to Las Vegas, 230 nautical, it's going to fly at about 19,000 feet. It's going to suck in birds, make lots of noise. They're trying to close Santa Monica Airport because of all these ear-splitting carbon belching jets. They've actually chopped up the runway. So I went there with intention, had 26 eco-minded sports people and pop stars and their managers on the ramp told him this entire story, told him we don't give anything up on speed because down low, the air is thick, there's speed limits, planes can't go as fast as they would anyway. And I told him the average speed for the short haul distance is 247 knots. And along comes a challenger. And it's owned by a bank and you're part of the world trust. 
and one person gets on and then goes to Las Vegas. And it's like $25,000 for this board member to fly to Las Vegas, one passenger on a 12 passenger jet. And it was ear splitting. But when we looked at the flight count, 19,000 feet, 280 miles an hour, which was my 247 knots. And it's just stupid. It's stupid for every reason, including that metal airframe lost another set of cycles that should have been crossing the country. So this is the right tool for the job. It's a step on my path to fixing all this. And then I'm not sure I mentioned this, but this engine can run four types of biofuel without any impact to its maintenance schedule. So we can do this carbon zero. And, and that's where we're going with our first lead time. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, I, I you've obviously got an incredible product there. And, you know, I think if you, my version of oversimplifying business is like step one, have something awesome. Step two, attract people to want it from you. You know, yep. so there's so many people that there's so many people that don't even think about charting because they just assume it's absurdly expensive. And there's, you know, there's so many, there's so much public consciousness that has not caught up with what you're talking about. How do you break through that messaging? How do you, how do you position this? How do you start to shape the, the you know, the perspective of an entire nation? So I took a giant stride towards that this morning. I spoke to the Prince's Trust about uh, personal transport in the time of COVID. By the way, my pitch included telling them that I had spent the whole pandemic flying safely. And then January 10th, I'm out in Provo, Utah, demonstrating this jet, mountain turbulence. By the way, the jet has fins that dampen turbulence under computer control. And everyone can't believe how smooth this is, smoother than airliners flying around ski resorts in Provo. And, I, and I'm told I have to bring it in for an engine check. So the difference between these guys and Boeing, someone assembled one part of our engine incorrectly on one engine. And they saw it on the ground. It wasn't a flight problem. And they decided that they're going to essentially recall any engine that that person touched. They could tell that of the three people that assembled that part, this one person touched these engines. It was about a third of our fleet. And we had five hours to bring it into the closest maintenance space. So I stopped in Centennial. I board United first class, first row bulkhead. I'm symptomatic, you know, four days later and then have a positive COVID test you know, a day after that. So flying commercial and, and they texted me and they said, this flight's full. If you're COVID risk adverse, don't do it. But it's the only direct flight to Florida. And I didn't think connecting through hubs would be any better. So, I mean, there's a personal message here. Don't fly commercial if you don't have to until you're double vaccinated and everything's stable. I forgot where I was going with this question. Well, we were just, we were just talking about getting the word out. Oh, yes. Getting the word so, out. Do, so, coming uh, on shows, doing yeah. podcasts. Well, so I was addressing Prince Charles and his trust uh, and the leading EU family offices in Europe this morning. In Europe, triple everything I just said, the noise, the carbon, the carbon shaming, the not wanting to be ostentatious when you show up with your hawker. And by the way, 3,000 small airports, it works the same. You can fly right to your destination and be out of the public eye. It was a total home run. They were blown away. So it's it's getting the word out that this even exists. And in the US, it's we're just fixing problems. So carriers are oversold and we we help them. And then a passenger sees how beautiful and smooth. By the way, the words we get are amazing, smooth, never felt safer, you know, amazing. That's usually the word. And and so once they've seen it, then they tell their friends and then they always want to fly it again. And that is growing at about the same rate we can have the jets built. So that's kind of working. And that's right up to this point. Peter Diamandis on our board 
spoke to Expedia Group about how to avoid disruption. And, and you know, he's like the tech leader of the free world. And then we had a C-suite meeting and Expedia agreed to list us when we're the only direct service point to point and it's more than two people traveling and now we're price competitive. So it might be that people just find us, hey, wait a second, I don't want to connect to a parts field, I want to go direct. And then programs like yours, it's, this is a complex story. It's, it needs a, a full length podcast because I can't explain this succinctly. Unless maybe I go, it's it's you know Uber for aviation, or it's about time, or something like that, or one engine, one pilot, carbon fiber parachute versus two two metal and no parachute. You know, if you can help me package this up later, I'd love that. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll work on it. Listen, I'm fascinated with Peter Diamantis and stuff he's doing. I understand you're part of Abundance 360, his group. Is that right? I am. It's amazing. It's my favorite yeah. conference of the year. For people who don't know about it, can you can you give us a little bit of what it's like? You're basically living in the future for four days. Three days in person, the fourth day virtual on on Oculus Rift's Quest 2 type goggles. You get to see tech. So the advances in medicine last year were jaw dropping. We used the word miracle and we meant it. And then I saw it double down this year. Last year, I put on a contact lens and I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. It has power, wireless power, wireless data. And I was reading a book through a contact lens. And, and so it's AR, VR in a contact lens, not goggles, not something blocking your vision, a contact lens. So I didn't even know that existed. And a and, you know, hundred other things. It's, we had one of the leaders at Amazon speak to us. We had the founder of Salesforce speak to us, access to people, to business leaders, to industry trends that you just never see elsewhere. Um, no, it seems incredible. Yeah. Peter's a fun guy. Tell, tell us about being around him. So I've been part of his journey for, I don't know, maybe 20 years. A hundred people got together to fund the original Express. I was one of those hundred people and they changed the course of my life. Next thing I know, I'm living on a boat and planning the next hundred years of commercial space flight and with people like Buzz Aldrin and, and the Japanese Space Agency. And it was mind blowing to be just part of it. Spaceship One, the the craft that won the $10 million X prize. I was with Peter when we visited the Air and Space Museum. That's sitting next to the Spirit of St. Louis, the Bell X-1, the X-15, the Apollo capsule. It's in the Milestones of Flight Gallery. It is mind-blowing to be part, in my case, just a little part, of something that creates a spaceship that opens up space tourism, that lands in the Air and Space Museum. It, it makes you feel like you can start an airline. And obviously, that's what we're here. Peter's amazing. He can also give me a year of work in 10 minutes. You, you get 10 minutes of his focus. The guy's just brilliant. And you just got to take notes and try and keep up. It's a really, really cool human being. Actually, and, and I don't think I've ever said this publicly before, if humanity survives 100 years from now, humanity, you know, historians are going to look back and say, it's because of Peter. And, and I mean that from the heart. So I, I can't even explain what it is to be in his orbit and trying to keep up with him. Well, I haven't met him yet. I'd love to have him on the show at some point. I'll have to reach out, see if we can get him. But I love his books, Bold and Abundance. And, and you know, just listening to his podcasts. And and I feel like it's like more entertaining than going to the movies. It's just like going and getting ideas from him. I, I've made it mandatory reading for my team. And uh, But in addition, the, my favorite is How to Build a Spaceship. Because of a lot of the things he writes about, I was there at those events, launching spaceships in the desert. And, all. and a, a good part of the message that he gives is just about mindset. And you know, we live in the most amazing time for humanity. And we have all of these capabilities. Advances in material science science and AI, and I've got a new type of airline. So you look at where things are going, you try and figure out 
how to defend your company or how to create a company, how to leverage all this stuff. That's what abundance is. If you think of it as for-profit version of X price, that's actually what it is. And, and it arms you with all these things. Right? Um, yeah. I add one more detail. Yeah, absolutely. The team that built Spaceship One, Scaled Composites and Burt Rutan, 15 years ago, built a composite single engine with Williams engine and VTAIL for NASA and Williams to demonstrate the utility of point-to-point high-speed travel, basically the prototype for the vision jet and the prototype for my airline. So it's the same people who built Spaceship One built the prototype for this. And, and I'm, I'm proud, again, to be a small part of that. I bet. So thinking more kind of business principles that it could apply to any industry, when you think about when you think about sales and marketing, what are what are principles that have worked for you? So AI is eating the world and any company that doesn't embrace AI is going to go extinct. So in our case, we can check the availability and give a price and a firm fixed quote using AI and we change the charter industry. So the sales part of sales and marketing goes away and it looks more like Expedia, instant quote. That's never been done before. Normally you'd pick up a phone, call an operator, call a broker. It's sometimes hours and days later before you have a price or even if a plane's available. The day before Thanksgiving, I called one of our trusted partners, one of the largest charter operators in the United States. I know their whole scheduling team. I couldn't get through. It was like seven hours. The general public, again, would have no chance. So using tech to to improve this, um, there's a company, Soul Machines. We visited with them at Abundance 360. Sam, by the way, is the co-host of Abundance 360. She's totally computer generated. If you combine SAM with, say, natural language processing and a bit of AI, our version three website is not going to have the traditional how to book. You're going to talk to SAM and you're going to say, SAM, I want a VJet to the Bahamas for lunch. And SAM's going to give you the quote and book it. That's where this is going. Or right now, I can show you videos and tell you how amazing the jet is, but it doesn't really click until you sit in it, see the visibility, the shoulder room, and, and feel how comfortable it is and fly it. But we're going to try and send you uh, Oculus Rift headset to give you an idea of what it's like to be in the jet and look around and see all that room. It's uh, less expensive than sending a jet. It's more scalable. So embracing all of this for sales and marketing is super important. Frankly, I don't do as good a job as I would like to, but then we've only been flying 16 weeks. So we, we have some learning curve to do. Well, congratulations on all the success so far. Thank you. Um, 100% referenceable flights. Everyone loves it. 30% of the time they ask for the same pilots and a third of the time it's repeat customers. And we have numbers that are much better than the rest of the industry. So it's, it, it's working. It's working very well. I'm very pleased. We had our best week ever the week of February 1st. And that excludes the Super Bowl, which was in our backyard in Tampa. We flew four or five simultaneous missions into the Super Bowl and influencers. And it was really cool. I had a lot of fun. Oh, man. Well, what's something else for the industry that people who aren't in it like you are maybe don't see coming as fast as you realize it is going to come? So I didn't understand why people don't see this as an existential threat. And finally, one of my board members had me read The Innovator's Dilemma. And I'm going to botch this, but it's something like if the new product is a tenth of the cost or a third better, people don't see it in the same class. I mean, my twin metal airplane with two pilots, no one's ever going to want to fly this plastic toy single engine thing. And we got that feedback. Why would I fly this piece of junk? So I didn't know. 
I mean, I suspected, but I didn't know. And so we did aircraft on the ground recoveries, AOG recoveries for some operators, people who paid for a light or a mid twin engine metal jet with two pilots. And we show up with this and we got the feedback. Now we have the answers. I'll be publishing case studies on this. I've never flown on something so smooth. I never want to fly the CJ2 or the Citation Excel or the King Air again or the PC-12. The windows were bigger than I've ever expected. I've never felt so safe. So people don't understand until I bring them the plane. I brought one of the larger operators of mids and super mids. This doesn't compete with them. You take a mid across an ocean. That's not this plane. And, and showed them this, and they were blown away by the level of automation, safety, sophistication, quality, because they think you have to spend $20,000 an hour and $45 million on the jet to get this kind of ride quality, and you don't anymore. And no one ever saw that coming. And it's the AI that's controlling the surfaces to damp out the turbulence, and it's the carbon fiber and a hundred other things that make this thing amazing. And, and But people don't see it. They can't conceptualize that their $45 million, whatever it is, just lost to the ride quality contest to this $3 million plastic toy. They just, it, we're not wired to see it. And that's good for Veriget. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. So thinking, you know, I, one of my business heroes, probably a lot of other people's is Warren Buffett. And he says that he likes businesses that have a big wide moat and tall walls around their castle, right? Yes. So we've talked a little bit about the AI scheduling. What, what other moats or walls do you have from from competitors buying the same aircraft and, and trying to do something similar? So we have a vibrant marketplace that it's an AI that operates some of the best floating fleet operators in the US. And with that marketplace, we've contracted for a exclusive seven-year single engine jet category. So even if people could acquire these jets and, and get the FAA to approve and do those other things, they still won't be able to trade on that marketplace. So we've locked people out of the marketplace. It's not that big a stretch. I founded the company that does the AI and created the marketplace. So we're good there. Secondly, we have orders that lock up the entire production cycle and, and we're trying to keep ahead of that. And so we're already looking at 2022. And if we just buy all the jets, grow uh, fast. <laughs> <laughs> it takes you know a hundred million dollars to certify one of these things in a decade, and I don't know of any other ones that are possibly pending. I know of three that failed, and so I think we've got the jet locked up, we've got the market locked up, we've got first mover advantage on several continents now, so we should be good to go. Yeah. Now, someone's coming after me and saying one engine, one pilot. I'm going to have no pilot and no engine, and uh, and I know they're out there, and I'm going to try and buy some of those planes too. By the we way, say no engine. Yeah. Yeah. So there's instead of something burning gas, you can have a bunch of small motors, distributed electric propulsion, and put 20 little blades on the wing tips or on the wings. And one of them can fail and you never even know it. The computers just deal with all that. And because the blades are smaller, they don't go supersonic and they're quieter. And that, that's getting into the VTOLs. Um, and the maintenance is less. So that, that's coming and I know it's coming and what we're tracking it. And again, it's been a long day. So I lost my, my train of thought. No, you're good. You're good. I'm excited. <laughs> well, I l let's do one more. What, what's an, one other thing, you know, for a lot of people, you know, the idea of an electric jet sounds plausible with electric cars and Polaris announces electric snowmobiles and a lot of stuff's going electric, but, but we don't have a lot of reference for it. What other changes do you think we'll see with electric jets that maybe people don't recognize is going to change? So there's going to be a lot of these. Distributed electric propulsion simplifies the build, and this is going to stretch credibility, but it simplifies the build 
to where it's less expensive to build one of these than a car. There's no transmission, there's no powertrain. It's a bunch of these little engines. So Hyundai is talking about making a million of them a year. And now it's not a $3 million plane or $300,000 plane, it's a $30,000 plane and it's autonomous. And so now it's Uber for the air. And if you look at Uber Elevate, which got sold to Joby and all, they with straight faces say that it'll cost less per mile to fly to work and bypass the traffic jam than it would Uber on the ground. And they're serious. I've met with them. They're, they're deadly serious. So the, the ability to manufacture these things at scale on an assembly line is coming. Right now, every aircraft is mostly handcrafted. The Vision Jet fuselage is spun up and it's a lot of automation, but a lot of it is hand assembled. It's we're, we're actually pre-Henry Ford in the aviation industry. And, and so that's going to get fixed and people are going to be surprised at how many of these show up. So when you have this many, you need self-separation of aircraft. About 15 years ago, I funded a Lindbergh grant on studying pilot self-separation of aircraft. That and some other technologies led to ADSB. It went into force of law last January. And now every plane digitally transmits, you know, this is who I am. This is where I am. This is where I'm going. This is how fast I'm going. So you can get much higher densities of these planes. And air traffic control will not be able to keep up with this. It's going to need automation. Good news is we've done all the groundwork for this automation. So big changes coming. The counterpoint is that we have a plane that's certified with one pilot. There's no second pilot certification for this plane. It's not necessary. And yet people are paying us to put another body in the plane because they just can't get their head around one pilot, even though there's a red button. Maybe 30% of the time, people are paying for that second pilot. Well, there used to be this guy called a flight engineer plus two pilots. There's no more flight engineers. Computers do that. The AI, I promise you, is always awake, always alert, and a better co-pilot than the co-pilot would be. But that's going to take time. I'm not sure people are going to get into the pilotless vehicle. They do it in China right now, by the way. Look up Ehang and you'll see it. How do you spell that? E-H-A-N-G. Oh, just like it sounds. Okay. So many years ago, Eric, who was giving away the Lindbergh Electric Aircraft Prize or Leap Prize, and I was playing cameraman and doing the interviews, we gave an award to Ehang for the best battery motor combination of drive controllers. And you'll see they've gotten, they're a public company now, they may have a billion dollars of investment. Martin Rothblatt, of all people, has invested in them to get a organ transplant helicopter because she's going to be flying 3D printed transplant organs. And she didn't want to add to global warming and the environmental burden. So she thought, let's do this electric. You know, a thousand transplants a month, that adds up. So she's got an autonomous electric organ transplant helicopter on the Ehang platform. Crazy stuff is happening at scale and no one even knows about it. And it's going to be an amazing sea change. I, by the way, I was serious. I would predict that Africa is going to bypass roads and pavement and, and do these VTOLs just like they did with the cell phones and preserve their landscape and keep their ecotourism. And, and everyone's going to be much happier. So it, it's it's inevitable at this point. It's not that it's coming. It's inevitable. That's wild. Well, we've covered a number of subjects. What What's something I didn't ask about? I think the maybe the stigma that goes with the carbon shaming of private travel. So you've got someone going to an environmental award in Greenland flying a private jet, or you've got the GM, Ford, and Chrysler executives flying to Washington for bailouts in three different private jets, or all these public miscues. First of all, it doesn't need to be that way. But second, private aviation is going to get shut down if we don't do something. So I've, I've been working on this for a decade. I've got the right tool for the job now, and it will run biodiesel. But we have to accelerate these things and then get to hybrid electric and then get to full electric and make this non-polluting and, and you know run on blue-green algae so that we're sequestering more carbon than we're burning and all of these things. And it's a tidal wave that's going to run over private aviation if it doesn't get fixed. And I love aviation and I want to fix it. So that, that's what I'm doing. But 
it, it's more serious than you know. If you go out to Santa Monica in California, it gets pretty serious. If you go to the UK and London City Airport, it's really serious. And and so we, we're going to need to deal with this as an industry. So that's that's what we're doing here. That's what we're doing with Veriget. That's what we're doing with Coastal, the AI routing company, just trying to fix these problems. That's great. Well, listen, besides, well, which websites, what social, where, if people want to follow you, if they want to connect with you, if they want to check out the service, where's the best places for them to go? So we're in the Southeast at a reasonable price point. Anywhere else, we're going to charge large fees for reposition. We are rolling out to California, then the Northeast. 833-Veriget to get a quote, um, veriget.com to see the site, and then the typical Facebook, Instagram, you know, Twitter should be there as well. Great. Uh, if all else fails, call me or email me, richard at veriget.com. I love it. Well, thanks for doing this. This has been great. Oh, it's my pleasure. Now, when we're in your area, by the way, I'm flying to Whistler on Thursday for some demo flights. I think we're overflying you. Can we stop and bring you a jet and give you a demonstration? Yeah, I would. I would love that. We've got we've got some cameras. We've got you know like red movie cameras. They shoot Lord of the Rings on kind of stuff. We'll we'll, uh, we'll make you a video. I know you've uh, got some already, but we'll make another. I'll make that happen because really, until you fly in this thing, it just you can't press the I believe button. And once you fly in it, it's better than it has any right to be. So, but you just got to demonstrate it and see it. It's a pleasure it. talking to you today. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, no, I appreciate you coming on. Bye everyone.